So after the service, feel free to meet Josh. He'll be over at our signups where the middle school and high school group signups are, uh, along with all those other groups at the tables. And we will, uh, we're gonna keep, we're gonna keep proceeding. So, uh, all right, well, good morning, everyone. If I haven't met you, I'm Adam, I'm the pastor here, and it is wonderful to come together for worship on a Sunday morning. I know it's chilly outside, you know, but it is January in Virginia, so, yeah, it's like, what are you expecting? So, here we have a wonderful passage and, and, and concept for us to talk through this morning. We've been going through few different weeks now, just start our year. So let me start off with this question. What if I told you that I know of a currency that you can get and it always holds its value? No matter the global economic scene, no matter job insecurity, no matter inflation, no matter even purpose that it might be needed, that whether you are financially rich or, or poor, any person can obtain this currency, and you can use it daily to achieve personal gain and also glorify God in your decisions and your thoughts. That exists. Bum, bum, bum. It is not gold, and it's not the U.S. dollar or the British pound, and it's not NFTs. It is wisdom. Scripture, there you go. You're wondering, weren't you? You're taking bets back there, yeah. Wisdom will tell you don't take a bet on what that is. Yeah. Uh, wisdom, we see from scripture that wisdom is the currency that keeps immense value no matter what situation you are in, whether it's relational or economic or whatever it may be. Ecclesiastes 7.12 says it this way, for the protection of wisdom is like the protection of money. And the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the life of him who has it. You know, we started this year asking the Lord to guide us, to give us scripture and themes to start the year off well. And it's kind of been a series in progress, honestly. Started with one week, and I thought we'd move on. No, it's now become three weeks. And each one has its different pillar that it addresses. The first one is being still and know that I am God. That was the first week, Psalm 46.10. If you missed that, I encourage you to listen to that. Watch that online if you want. Last week was being watchful and then exhort one another. And then today is be wise. Be wise, not in your eyes, but in God's eyes. Proverbs 3, 7 says, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. We need wisdom. Wisdom in our time, how we spend our time. Wisdom in decisions. Wisdom in relationships. Wisdom in work uh, choices. Wisdom in our investments and uh, with our own words, and et cetera, et cetera. There's all sorts of ways that we need wisdom. And so I wanna talk about that this morning. And I, I think as we work through this, you will find yourself having a deepened passion for your need for wisdom, that it's not just a, you know, if I get it, I get it. If I don't have it, you know, whatever, I'll just move on. I wanna have you stir within you this sense of uh, urgency. You need to have wisdom in your life, whatever it may be. I also think working through this will convict us in ways that we have leaned on our own wisdom, uh, our own knowledge and understanding rather than God's. And if that is the case, as he brings those things to mind, remember them. And at the end of the service, we're gonna confess those to the Lord, take those to him, and ask him to give us wisdom. 
And then lastly, he may even bring to mind areas of your life that you didn't even know you needed to ask wisdom for. You've just been moving through it. And I think he will uh, draw that to your mind so you can start to pray with intentionality that he'll give you wisdom in areas you didn't even realize you needed it. So let's start off. I got part one and part two. Part one is why is wisdom so valuable? Let's look at Proverbs 4. It says it this way in a very lengthy passage. It says, get wisdom. Get insight. It's starting in verse 5. So Proverbs 4, 5. Get wisdom, get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Don't forsake her and she will keep you. Love her about wisdom and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, which I think is like fantastic. That's like such a dad writing to his son. The, the first thing to get wisdom, get it. Like, okay, <laughs> thanks. Yeah. But he keeps going. Whatever you get, Get insight, right? Like if you could get anything, if you could choose to obtain anything, get wisdom. It's that important. He continues, writing, prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Hear, my son, and accept my words that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered. And if you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction, do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. How many of us treat wisdom like that? I know I don't. I treat it a little more flippantly. I mean, I like it, but I don't treat it like it's my life. I don't treat it like I gotta guard it and protect it. Proverbs urges the readers, including us, to treat wisdom this way to view it along these lines. It actually uses such language like guarding it and cherishing it, similar to how we might talk to a man about how he should guard and cherish and protect his new bride. I mean, the language is so similar with that. So is that how we treat wisdom? James 1, 5 famously describes that we can receive wisdom from God if we ask it, uh, ask it with a pure heart. And this infers that we do not instinctually have wisdom. We, we don't just naturally have it, at least not godly wisdom. We must ask for it on particular matters or at certain times. Very similar is Proverbs 3. This is a really famous verse, but what it, the, the contrast of it reminds us of how we tend to not embrace it. So listen to Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths Friends, this teaches us that we have the free will to mistakenly lean on our own understanding. If it's pleading with us to lean on his understanding, that must mean that we have the opportunity to have like choice one or choice two, and we can either pursue what he has for us or defer to what we might think is best. So friends, what stops you from obtaining or applying godly wisdom? Is it pride? Is it self-reliance? Is it ignorance? I don't know, it could be an array of things. What is it that might stop you from wanting godly wisdom? I browse a lot of uh, trending thought leaders, I guess that's the term now, social media influencers. I can't stand the term, but nonetheless, I say it so you know what I'm talking about. So there's all these different people who write stuff, it goes trending, and it goes enough trending so they have like a following. And I'm always intrigued with what they're saying, not necessarily to personally learn from them, Although once in a while there's something, there's a nugget there. I'm more intrigued as to what are most people 
watching to figure out like what they're learning, right? Like what are people just culturally, who are they reading? What's out there? And I'll tell you, the, the ones who write a lot about like how to be the best man you can be, like with power and strength and confidence and success, they never mention wisdom. And when I say never, I, I, I've browsed thousands of, if you add tweets and everything else, nothing mentions wisdom. It's all about uh, skill, opportunity, maybe exploiting, uh, ex- exploiting a situation. Uh, usually it, uh, the, the proof is in the pudding because over time you see these same influencers who end up getting like arrested for human trafficking down the road, like stuff like that. So like it's, it's out, like their, 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 their guardrails for life aren't exactly on point, but they're really influential when they write. And I think some of that as far as like with manhood, it's wisdom is viewed a little more like a sissy characteristic. Like, you know, the people who have wisdom are the weaker ones or the ones who are the nice guys. But, you know, you want to be able to punch something in the face if you have to. And then they don't talk about wisdom. But what we see from Proverbs and throughout Scripture is the importance and the value and the role that wisdom plays. So how about you? When you think about wisdom, do you view it as an inferior quality? Or is it something to actually obtain, something to guard, something to fight for? something to treasure. Scripture describes someone without wisdom as a fool. Think about uh, Ephesians 5. It says it this way. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So in this passage, it's drawing this contrast between those who are wise and those who are foolish. Rarely would I say there's somebody kind of in the middle ground there. There's not another term for that. You're either walking as somebody who's wise or walking as somebody who's foolish. Which one describes you the most? As I think about this church, I would love for one of the characteristics to be, that would be said about our church to be one uh, that is wise. So when people are like, oh, you go to Legacy? Like those people, they're just like really wise. They really... They're not, and, and I'd say the antithesis of that, or the opposite, not just, we usually don't say they're a f- bunch of fools, but we'd say, like, they're just prone to really bad decisions, or they're really prone to impulsive decisions, or uh, behaviors, or reactions. Usually that's the opposite of what we would describe as wise. And so my prayer for us is that we would be wise people. Now, when it comes to wisdom, it's a, it's a little bit like the gray areas of life. And I say that because there's a lot of things that are really clear cut, black and white, like you know, like this is the rule, stand by it. If you, if you break that, then you have, um, or, or it, it clearly defined lines of what it would look like to, to break it. So an example would be marriage, like my marriage to Lynn, uh, we are married. Uh, if there's uh, infidelity there, that's breaking that covenant vow. Like, that's a real clear line. That's not like a gray area. You're like, you know, I, I kind of cheated. It's like, no, you either did or you didn't, right? So, like, that's a clear line. But when it comes to wisdom, so much of that applies in these 
gray areas where you're not really sure. Like, I'm gonna try this. If I go this route, it may not work out. I think the Lord's leading me this way. I think the Lord's leading our church in this way. Uh, if, if he's not, we'll find out. And the test of time plays into that a little bit. And I think about this in light of all these different decisions I've had to made, make over the years. And this is a list of questions I was just writing out for myself and I did not intend to share it with you. But I think the Lord wants me to share it and it's kind of embarrassing with some of them, but I, I share this just to help um, kind of stir within you, if it's helpful for you, a sense of where you have applied wisdom or when you have asked for wisdom or the Lord's guidance or insight for a situation. So this is just a list of questions I wrote for myself. And uh, in hindsight, I kind of wish I didn't write it out because then I wouldn't have to read it, but I will now. So like one question is, was it wise for me in middle school to make my hair blue with Kool-Aid? I don't know. Uh, it, I don't really regret that decision, but it's kind of weird, you know. Uh, was it wise to go into debt for a business uh, uh, venture? Or was it wise to trade out my little Toyota hatchback that got good gas mileage for that gas hog FJ Cruiser? I don't know. You know was it wise to do postgraduate school or should we have invested that money and that time differently? Was it wise to move to Virginia instead of San Diego 10 years ago? Was it wise to replant the floundering campus uh, into a new church and, uh, and prayerfully hope for different results that we, than we experienced the previous two years. Was it wise to marry Lynn? Was it wise to stop building my personal brand by deleting a bunch of social media and blogs and not publishing anymore? You know, even this morning, it's like, was it wise to wear an uh, oversized blue shirt with a tight green shirt? I don't know. That's <laughs> all I could find. <laughs> Just, all right, that's what we did. In all these different moments of life, we have these questions we have to ask, and sometimes in hindsight, we can see one way or the other, but it's in that fog, that uncertainty, and in those moments, I wanna plead for you to seek wisdom from the Lord. Having answers for what to do. Okay, sometimes we really don't know what to do, like, but I, I would submit that there's no shortage of answers available to your disposal for what to do. The question is, what does God want you to do? You can find answers. He's like, I could do this. But what, what is it the Lord is leading you to do? And so why is wisdom so valuable? Of all the sources and, uh, and all the different ways of information that you can get to strengthen yourself, to develop who you are, to... to, to Heighten your senses with like making good decision making, maybe different investments, you know, podcast conferences, books that you want to read to like just really be the best you can be, all kind of stuff. And your development in those ways, whatever it might be, it might be just for fun, it might be in your workplace, it might be as a parent, whatever, whatever like challenges you're facing. Are you adding the pursuit of wisdom in those areas or just talking to experts or, you know, reading what they have to say and then tagging wisdom on top. I would urge you to start with wisdom and, and ask the Lord for that and then to let that trickle from there. You could be the best self-care guru in the world or the expert of experts in your specialty, but without godly wisdom, you're still a fool. You're just an expert who's a fool in that area. So how do we obtain wisdom? Well, we must begin with the wisdom giver, right? So this is part two. How do we actually obtain this wisdom? We know we need it. Where do we get it? You start with God. He's the wisdom giver. Don't start with something else. True, lasting wisdom is found in God. Proverbs 2, 
2 through 8 says it like this. Making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for wisdom and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Okay, so it's in God that we find wisdom. I have a little test for you to walk through four different you know, markers just to decide, am I, am I obtaining wisdom in this way or, or how do I find wisdom? Or what, you know, what does the Lord want me to do with this kind of scenario? If, as we walk through this, maybe you're currently in a spot where you're actually having decision-making. Um, that's usually when we think about wisdom, but it applies in other areas too. But if there's a big decision that you're facing, maybe you could think about that while you are working through this test I wanna present to you. So the first test when it comes to uh, finding wisdom in, in God and, and really knowing like, is this of, is this of God or is this of me? Is this human thinking and human wisdom or, or God's wisdom? The first test is what does God's word say about this? So if you're gonna find wisdom in God, start with his word. So what does God say about this particular matter? He may explicitly describe what we are to do with the f- situation you face. Uh, perhaps he describes it in principle or perhaps he even describes it uh, in uh, just a broad, real broad sense. What does God have to say about this? He gives wisdom in scripture, and that's why we must read it, we must saturate our minds with it. My encouragement with you in regards to this first topic of reading the Bible is to, to, to daily fill your mind with scripture so that you're not just turning to the Bible whenever you have like a big decision. And, and, and I mean, if you're gonna turn to anything, please turn to the Bible, but let's try to be students of the word where we are making it part of our daily diet, spiritual diet, wanting to grow in our faith, walk in, in our walk with the Lord. So then, what I've seen is then when you're faced with a scenario, it's, it's not, if you're faced with it like a challenge, but you've already been building in your heart, like God's word, and uh, that's just part of who you are. Usually when you're faced with like one of two options or one of three options or, you know, oh man, one of four options, you're like, they're all good, what do I do? Usually if you've already been reading the word, you have like a pretty good sense of one of those, uh, of the right path. It's when, it's when we don't, like, and that could be for a week or a month or six months, you haven't even looked at the Bible, haven't you? And then you're faced with this situation and you, and you feel really chaotic. The fog is even more clear. And, and, more, and more there. And so my, my, I wanna urge you to read scripture on a regular basis. So when you're faced with something, it's a little, um, you're, you're already uh, geared up with the right stuff in your heart when you're, when you're looking at it. The second area, like a second test to know is this God's will regarding, you know, is this his wisdom or is this just human thinking or not? And that is pray through it. So when we pray about stuff, the Lord gives us peace in that decision. He gives us clarity in that, in that moment. Uh, not only does scriptures like affirm it or, or clearly say it, but on top of that, we can pray through something and it's like, yeah, I, I really sense this is what the Lord wants. There's peace there as opposed to, sometimes you can pray through it and you say, yeah, the Lord's giving freedom in this area, but as I pray through it, he's not giving me 
a sense of peace to move forward. And that would be, you know, one of those moments of him giving wisdom for you to know whether to move forward or not. I wanna challenge you when it comes to prayer though, I don't think we have a problem praying to God as in if you're really faced with something, you'll pray. Like you're faced with a, a crisis, you'll pray. Uh, the challenge is, is uh, listening to God. So, you know, prayer is two ways. So when you pray and you're asking him for wisdom, are you gonna listen to what he leads you in? A lot of us, even if he brought like a wisdom down in a treasure chest on your table and you opened it up, you might read him and be like, I don't wanna do that. It's like, well, then your heart wasn't even in the right spot to pray to begin with. So I wanna encourage you as you are praying to, to be intentional with listening and have a heart that's humble and ready to receive a direction that may be different than what you were hoping, hoping for or, or expecting. A third test would be the advice from others. So if you're really trying to seek God's wisdom on a matter, what do other godly people have to say on this? You ask them for their help and... Uh, Sometimes they pull from their own experience. Sometimes they can even say, really godly people, they, you know, they can say, I haven't even, I've never faced that. But here's what I know. Scripture says this, as I'm praying in this matter with you, I'm sensing this direction as well, or I'm sensing like, you should probably pause in that. And that kind of advice from others is so helpful, that counsel from others. My encouragement with you though, if you're that person who's, received, or who's, who's hearing the question and, and you know, somebody's asking for your counsel, I urge you to, to, to give the counsel that the, that the Lord is prompting you to give and not just what might be your experience or what you think um, is common sense. Because, and I, I, we experienced this a lot, Lynn and I, when we were dating. We dated for five years. We are kind of on again, off again in some ways, even though we were like kind of always always on, but you know, still like floated around for a while. It took a while to figure out what we were doing. But we had all sorts of people. And some of these were family members, people we loved. Some of them told us like to break up and walk away and never get back together. Some of us were like, yeah, I get married. Some of us were like, get married sooner, get married later. It was a whole mixed bag of opinions. And what a lot of people did was they just drew from their own opinion. They would tell us what to do. And then they would tell us what they did. And um, most of it wasn't very helpful. You know, we just had to seek the Lord together and we still got advice, but it wasn't really helpful. And so my encouragement for you is if you're giving advice to ask, ask the Lord for what to say, not just pull from like the bucket of experience. And the last one, the last test is what is right. And I, and I ask this because I think a good, a really important test is at the end of the day, what is most God honoring? Well, what is it that God is leading? Because there are so many times that he uses common sense and like everybody in the room is all looking at the same thing saying, this is what needs to happen. It doesn't take a lot of work to figure out that that is the right step. But then there's other times when he defy, God leads us to defy logic. And, and so you say, well, it, it doesn't, it doesn't con, uh, contrast or, or go against scripture. My prayer life is leading me to move in this direction. I have a lot of peace about this, but that is so weird that, that, it's strange, it's, it's uncommon to have peace about this direction. And then you ask others and, and maybe some are giving you good counsel in that same direction and others aren't. And then you're, you're that last step of saying, well, what, what really is most God honoring? And sometimes it defies logic. And that is what's challenging. So like it might defy what is most efficient with your time or most efficient with money. It might defy 
what other people um, would commonly do in that situation, but it is still what the Lord is leading you to do. I think there's these times when, um, in my case at least, it's it often in those moments when I follow what God's leading and what is right and honoring, it usually challenges an area of fear in my heart or spiritual complacency that I don't really wanna give, you know, I don't really wanna give time to, so I would ignore that. And instead, he wants to pull me out of that and through that. And uh, when, it, yeah, so anyway, so those are, those are four tests. It's this last one, though, what is right? I wanna focus on this just as we're kind of wrapping up because as you look at scripture, most of our favorite Bible stories or our favorite, uh, well, yeah, the, the stories that you, like, you might tell your kids and stuff throughout scripture, a lot of times these are men and women in scripture in these moments of biblical history when they are actually defying logic. So, so it, it, w- it did not make sense for them in the moment, but they said, the Lord told us to, mo- to do this, so we're gonna do it. Think about like the, um, the Israelites who walked around Jericho. Like that was their method to take down the city. And why? Because God said to. It was like the dumbest military method ever, but it's what God wanted for them, and it is what destroyed the city. Think about David, he killed Goliath with a slingshot stone. It didn't make any sense, but God used that method. Uh, Elijah, he was told to leave the palace on the cusp of this drought, and then to go live by this little brook, and to receive meat from birds and water from the, from the river. And it's like, that doesn't really make sense, but... That's what the Lord's leading. And so when it comes to logic, I think, uh, and, and decision-making, it's inconsistent for us to celebrate and to love all these, these awesome moments in Scripture. But then when we're faced with that same situation, we're like, yeah, I'm not doing that. Uh, and, and those are our moments in Christian heritage to carry the baton of what we do. Sometimes I wonder if we miss out on God moments in our life because what God calls us to do doesn't fit in the box of what we want God to do or how we want him to act. And we might even be well-meaning, but we see these, these situations in scripture and we're like, that works really good for Joshua or for Esther, but I'm not, I'm not going before the king. And then you go do your own thing. And then you may sense a lot of spiritual uh, dryness and wonder why like your spiritual life stinks. And it's like, well, you've had, you've had opportunity after opportunity to walk in faith. And that's a massive component of an energetic and, and uh, spirit-filled life. And you, you, know, you don't wanna walk in that way. And you can justify it because it defies logic. But at the end of the day, God's leading you in that way. And so I bring this up because at the, at the core of our uh, Christian life, the core of our Christ followership, is actually a belief that is super foolish in the world's eyes. So if you're a Christ follower, your your belief of salvation in the atoning work of Jesus Christ is uh, illogical. It doesn't make, and scripture talks about this. So I'm gonna gonna read it in a moment, but my point for you is to say, if if you're a Christian, we're talking about having wisdom in our life, wisdom in decision making, even if it defies logic and stuff. You're like, I'm just really struggling with that area of life. Well, then I would remind you, if you back up and just start with like your, your, your first day, your, your baby steps with Jesus, that actually begins 
with something that defies human wisdom. So listen to how Paul writes about this in 1 Corinthians. It's lengthy, but he walks through this whole argument. And it's really helpful for you to say like, okay, if, if you can believe him at salvation, then let's carry that through into all these other areas of life and not just allow that to be like a, an eternal matter of belief, but to apply this in our other areas of life. So 1 Corinthians 1 so the first chapter, right, verse 18, it says, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. That alone is, listen to the rest of it. This is so good. It says, for it's written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning. I will thwart. Where is the one who's wise? Where's the scribe? Where's the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. He says that the Jews, they demand signs. The Greeks, they seek wisdom. You could say or logic or, you know, what makes sense. But we preach Christ crucified. It's a stumbling block to the Jews. It's folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. I'm gonna reread that. That's a fantastic verse to memorize. Remember who our God is. The foolishness of God, even in its perceived foolishness, right? It's kind of playing on it. But it's wiser than men. And the weakness of God, even though he, he's not weak, but then even his weakness is stronger than men. It continues, it says, for consider your calling, brothers. You can say brothers and sisters if you want. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many of you were, were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might be able to boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you who are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it's written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And so this whole passage is describing how not only does the message of Jesus Christ as the atonement for our sin and our belief in him allows us to have eternal life, not only is that folly and foolishness and the world's wisdom, but on top of that, it's essential for that to be the case so that we don't boast in ourselves, but we can boast in the Lord. If we could save ourselves, we'd get to heaven, give Jesus a high five and be like, I knew I'd make it. It's like, no, no, no. Like, I mean, you can have confidence in your faith, but the goal is not, not to think that um, you are, uh, you don't wanna boast in who you are. It's only by God's grace. Now, this next chapter, chapter two, has two verses that also plays into this. I wanna read this as the last verse for this morning. It says this in 1 Corinthians 2, 13 and 14. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So, whether it's, whether it's this, this core element of salvation, which is massive, I mean, the, 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 
to, to miss out on the wisdom of salvation and the truth there and the hope there has eternal ramifications. But whether it's, whether it's the topic of salvation or a big area of your life, like a, um, a relationship, a new job, whatever it may be, uh, or, or even more the mundane things throughout the day. All of us have decisions we make, choices we make, decision, um, thoughts we're having, words we say. So, so no, no matter where it is in that gamut, right? I, I encourage you to seek the Lord for wisdom in those things. It may be, especially in salvation matters, it may seem like folly at first, but we ask the Lord for guidance and for his truth and, and, and for clarity on those areas. So as we, as, we, um, as we conclude, Maddie, you and the team, you guys can come up here. While they're leading worship, I wanna encourage you to take this time um, to, you know, you can sing and stuff, but like as, if you're sensing just uh, an area of your life that you haven't surrendered to the wisdom of God, I encourage you to do so. If you're sensing that he's convicting you that you haven't sought his wisdom in an area, I encourage you to ask for that, to start a new step. Today, I, I'm gonna start asking for wisdom in this area because I, I just kind of got caught up in the busyness of it and didn't even think to ask for wisdom. Or maybe it's an area you have actually been seeking a lot of uh, man-made wisdom and, and, um, and ignoring God's, even though it's right there in front of you. Maybe he's even leading you in a certain way, but it's too scary or whatever it may be. And you're struggling with that. And I wanna encourage you to be honest with the Lord, confess all that, and plead with him to give you the clarity there. So with that said, I do wanna wrap this up with the other three, or the three, all three weeks together because I think it's just as like a good little package for starting the year well. We see, be still and know that I am God was the first week and then be watchful and exhort one another is the second week. And today is be wise and understand the will of the Lord or the will of God. All three of these work really well, hand in hand in so many ways to lead us into having a really strong start for this year. I'll be praying about it, we'll see. Maybe there'll be a fourth one, I don't, I don't think so. I got a few, I have a few more Bs. You know, I'm like, this is becoming like a legacy B, beatitude.